Thank you to 12th Street Sound for sponsoring today's episode. If you're an artist and you want your next recordings to stand up to the best of the best, you need to learn more about 12th Street Sound, a recording studio in my home city, New Westminster, BC. 12th Street provides the value and bang for your buck that you can only get from a boutique studio. That's why I keep choosing Anthony Senarini at 12th Street Sound as my recording and mix engineer for my own music, released as William Chernoff. Anthony and the team are collectors and restoration specialists obsessed with music and recording equipment. When I go into the studio, I get more than just great service. I get the space to craft my story as an artist. You deserve the same as you work on your new music for 2022. Whether you need pre-production, tracking, mixing, or full production services, check out 12th Street Sound today and tell Anthony about your next project. Learn more at 12thstreet.ca. That's 12thst.ca. Vancouver does have this reputation. If you talk to musicians, a lot of them will say it's very cliquey. You know, it's there are people, there are people who are in the in-group, and then there are people who are not in the in-group, and there's it's a whole thing. Now, I don't I don't know how much of that is true, but what I do know is I don't want to contribute to it. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Will Chernoff and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. With Rhythm Changes, we're striving to make the best possible interview show about a music scene. So if you're joining us for the first time, whether from Vancouver, BC, elsewhere in Canada or across the world, get involved today with a visit to our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today plays violin, writes songs, and sings, and he is the curator of a live music initiative called Locals Lounge in Vancouver. He's also pursuing a municipal political office in the city, which we won't discuss today. We'll focus on the music and leave that to the experts. And you can find him on Twitter at ICromwell4Van, that's the letter I and the number four, and find at Locals Lounge on Instagram. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Ian Cromwell. Excited to be here. Excited to have you here. The timing is superlative, Ian, because (laughs) you joined me this month, March 2022, as Locals Lounge makes its return to presenting live in-person music this month on Wednesday, March 9th at 7 p.m. at Guilt & Co., First Come, First Served, you're doing something. I'm going to get there pretty early to make sure that I can enjoy what you're up to there. And you listening should too. I would love to see you there. But we were talking off air before we started that the launch of this event got delayed and delayed and delayed, but all kind of worked out timing wise. So what happened here? So uh, just to give folks a bit of background, uh, Locals Lounge started back in 2016 as a way of trying to give people more ways of connecting and an entry point into the music scene. I know Vancouver can feel like a really unfriendly place. um, And I know that it can, especially for musicians, it feels very difficult to make connections, but also just for the average person who loves music, but doesn't necessarily know where to find it. Uh, And so we started throwing these interview and performance shows where it was half interview, half live show almost like a podcast but in person oh like a live and podcast a live podcast kind of except that it was only in the room 
Yeah. And so we did that for about four years and then the pandemic hit. And so of course, putting a bunch of people in a room to have conversations suddenly became a really bad idea. We tried to sort of shift into other, other forms and other modes to do other things. But, you know, there's still nothing like live music. Being in a room, seeing that music performed in person, being able to connect with the people next to you, that's, that's what people love about going to a live show. We had the opportunity to throw a few shows at Guilt & Company. We got a little bit of funding from Factor Canada. Thank you, Factor. Threw some shows there at Guilt. It was a great series. My team really stepped up and took over for me. I was going through some pretty serious burnout, and they kind of stepped up to the plate for me. The issue is that, at least for me, Vancouver does have this reputation. If you talk to musicians, a lot of them will say it's very cliquey. You know, it's there are people. There are people who are in the in group, and then there are people who are not in the in group, and there's it's a whole thing. Now, I don't I don't know how much of that is true, but what I do know is I don't want to contribute to it. Uh, what we did in in the in 2021 is develop a new format where I am recruiting curators from various communities around the city, people who are musicians themselves, but who also organize and run events. We had this idea for a monthly series at Guilt and Company. Each month there would be a guest curator. They would get a budget. They would get to bring in whichever musicians they want. It would be a, a mix of different genres, different styles, and you know, democratize what we do with the live show thing at Locals Lounge. Well, we were ready to launch in January. We had everything lined up. We were all ready to go. And then Omicron ate our show. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to unannounce the show, sort of kick the can down the road. And of course, there was this long period of like, will it happen? Will it not happen? And I had to reschedule everyone else's, all the other curators' dates. We were ready to go. I not really it's not my story to tell, but uh, one of my one of the core team members had just an absolutely nutso thing happen in his personal life. And so we had planned to launch uh, and, and announce and then it didn't happen. Gotcha. And then finally he was like, OK, no, we got it. We got it. We got it. And everything lined up. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. And that happened to be the day that the government announced that they were lifting the restrictions on capacity. So all of a sudden, oh. we looked so slick. We looked so on top of it. Oh, my uh, gosh. Oh, you shouldn't have told me that. Yeah, I would have believed that you teed it all up, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm a, man of, a man of my words. I can't, uh, I can't pretend to be something I'm not. Absolutely. You're also a man of data and science. And you have worked as a health economist as your day job while you're doing Locals Lounge and while you're making your own music under your own name. And to get there, your journey went from here in Vancouver, where you were born, to Ontario, where you did a bachelor's and a master of science. And now you have a PhD from the School of Population and Public Health at UBC. And that background that you have, what does that teach you when you put on your music hat and when you go to work at this stuff, what are you bringing to the table because you have that background and that work experience? Songwriting is about creative problem solving, right? Like that's what you do as a songwriter. You have a chord progression or you have a lyric or you have an idea or a fragment of a melody and you kind of build out from there and you try different things. Oh, maybe try this chord change or maybe I'll try rephrasing this line to try to get it to fit and to make sense. That is an analytical process. Rhythm, meter, 
um, you know, chord changes are all mathematical progressions. Like, like all there's a, a ton of math in music. I think a lot of musicians don't necessarily think of it that way because it is something that we, it's really, it's a very right brained creative, the inspiration comes from the ether. But if you talk to a lot of scientists, they will tell you that sometimes they get in a zone and there is this, this creative process that happens when they're trying to solve problems again, using the same analytical process of, Oh, let's try this and let's try that. And you know, it, it's not, the two things are not actually that different when you get into a flow state this is something um, that uh, neuropsychologists identify when uh, you are basically in the zone if anyone knows the you know the experience of just completely immersed in the thing that you're doing there are there is a higher much much dramatically higher degree of electroneural activity going across your corpus callosum, which is the membrane that separates your right and left hemisphere. So there's actually an integration of the two sides of your brain and which allows you to do something that is very whole brained. That's not only like musicians are not the only people who have that. Athletes have it and scientists have it. It's a thing when you're deep in concentration that happens. So yeah, I don't really see myself as taking off the hat and putting on a different hat. They're all part of the same. They're all part of the same thing. Oh, I love that. And you did a great job of teeing up where Locals Lounge came from and now also what you're bringing to the table. So I think people are discovering Locals Lounge for the first time here. You also did an interview that I checked out in written form on the Science World website, scienceworld.ca, where you defined even more concisely what Locals Lounge is. You said it was a music community incubator. And I think that's a good way to put it. But I've also heard you say, because I've attended your events in the past anonymously as one of many faces in the crowds at <laughs> some of the different places that Locals Lounge has presented in the past years. You've talked about Locals Lounge as a tour guide or concierge service, which is also an interesting metaphor. So as a non-traditional presenter where you're bringing these science skills, who are your favorite partners in this Vancouver music community? And how do you put stuff together like this, aside from the grant funding bodies we've already mentioned? Where have you presented? Who are the kinds of artists that perform at Locals Lounge most often? And flesh out what this feels like a little bit more. There are a lot of people in the music scene who are doing this simply for the love of music and for the love of community. I don't think that there's anyone who is getting rich by making and supporting music in Vancouver. I don't think we have the economy for that. My goal has always been to collaborate with the people who have who are sort of on the same wavelength and who are excited to just have there be more music. So the members of the local science team, which have sort of changed over the years, are largely people who are musicians or, or other form like other types of artists other creatives who just want to see a better and stronger and more connected community i try to extend that to the artists that i book but i also recognize that there are just some really fascinating people with really interesting stories in our community and for me that was what i wanted to put on stage so that people could really get a sense that yeah there is a thriving music scene here there is a a, a vibrant music scene here if you just 
go a little bit deeper, you go a little bit past the surface. And I think for the average person, having some of that human context behind the music just adds it. It just makes it so much more enjoyable. I was in, uh, I went to Amsterdam a bunch of years ago and I went to the Van Gogh Museum. And I'm not a paintings guy. I don't really care. But you're in Amsterdam. You go to the Van Gogh Museum. You just have to. <laughs> I was reading about this guy and his life and the what was going on when he was painting this painting or that painting or the other one. And it was so much more enjoyable to have that background than if I had just sort of been like looking at the art. And that's what a live show is. You just go and the art happens at you and then you leave. And mm. I think that that's a real shame because there's these human beings who are our neighbors and our friends and they live here and they are fascinating human beings. And it's so much better to enjoy the music of someone who, where you know something about where that music came from rather than just hearing it from a disembodied voice. Love it. Yeah, I mean, you didn't come up in the same jazz education stream that I did, Ian. So this example that I would throw back at you to match what you're saying from my world is like, there are many random little jazz gigs at very small places, and they might seem like there's not too much going on there other than a bunch of musicians getting together. But still, I mean, they will have to come up with two or three hours worth of tunes to call why did they choose some of those tunes or what were their favorite ones or what are they joking about with you when you go talk to them in between the sets or after the gig and all that fascinates me too and there's so much more story there than would meet the eye right absolutely our our motto at uh, locals lounge is tearing down the barrier between the stage and the seats nice it's something that we all enjoy it's something that we can all enjoy and there doesn't need to be so you know your 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 training is in jazz my training isn't classical. Yeah. And there is a rigid barrier between <laughs> who is performing in the symphony and no who is kidding. in the audience. You you sneeze at the wrong time and they kick you out at the <laughs> symphony. It's crazy the dividing line. Music does not have to be this disembodied mysterious thing. And one of my favorite things to do when I when I perform live is to try to get, you know, some sing-alongs going and get people involved and because there's something really special that happens in the moments where the audience is participating. And there's a moment in every show. And I, I saw this happen when I was doing these interviews and performance shows. And I'd do my, I'd do my piece and they'd go, I've been prepping for a month. So I've, you know, the whole thing is very, like very, it's a very high stakes kind of thing. But I finished the interview and it's just a live performance part. And I'm, I'm on break at that point. I just get to go back to being a fan. And I would notice in every show, there was a moment where the audience and the performer are just exactly on the same emotional wavelength. And I think those moments are really, really powerful and really, really special. A lot of things are highly individualized, especially in the wake of the pandemic. We have not had opportunities to gather. And we, you know, we, we have a, a society that is really set up for people to sort of be siloed away from each other. And that's not how we evolved. We evolved as a very social species. Um, if you look at how societies, if you look anthropologically at how societies have, have um, cropped up in various places around the world, 
you rely on your neighbors, you rely on the people around you and the other people are just always in your life. And now we exist in this very, very abnormal place in human history where everyone's on their own. Huh. And it's just so unnatural. And music has this very particular, unique ability to tear down barriers between language, to tear down gender barriers, generational barriers, and just everyone can just vibe out and be in the same place and to be connected with each other. And I think we need that. I think we really, really, really need that. Nice. Yeah, you speak very eloquently about the mission of something like Locals Lounge. You also are very savvy about how you implement it and how you decide what to do next and bring in that data-driven perspective. And that's why you've added this thing called Constellation to the activity of Locals Lounge. And from what I've observed by following Locals Lounge on Instagram and by taking the surveys that you publish and that you link to from your accounts to try and gather some data, Constellation looks like the name of your initiative to learn more about this audience whom you're trying to serve. You're gathering data through this Constellation initiative to find where everybody's at and then direct them to different content that you are rolling out to try and keep these people in your orbit, so to speak. So what is Constellation? How close to the mark is that? And what are you up to there? So as I said, the pandemic really interrupted what we were doing. So we immediately tried to jump into the fray and just redesign the whole project. It was not necessarily our duty, but it was our role to try and do something to serve the community. And so we tried to redesign ourselves as a live stream service because a lot of artists were, were pivoting to live stream. And so we said, what we'll do is we'll do the interview before the streams so that you can still, we can, we'll bring our audience to your stream and then you can bring your audience to our interview. And then we will be able to build something that's a little more sustainable and a little more unique than just tuning in and watching someone play on camera. But I didn't know how to Twitch stream or whatever you want to call it. I didn't know how to market it. We were just throwing all kinds of things against the wall just to see what would stick. And that contributed to a massive burnout episode where I really, like my, I was so overwhelmed and so defeated and so tired that I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do anything anymore. And it really, really, really stopped me in my tracks in a way that has never happened to me. As I was recovering from that over the coming, so the next ensuing months, one thought that kept coming back to me was, I'm a data guy. And I wasn't collecting any data. <laughs> I didn't know who our audience was. I didn't know how to reach them. I didn't know how to tell them that we were doing stuff. I didn't know how to find out, are we doing what you like? Do you want to see something else? That was generally true of all music organizers in the city, at least at my level, at the grassroots level. We don't have a method of contacting our audience of measuring whether they like what we're doing or just understanding what their preferences are. And that's a shame because we're all trying to do things. We're all trying to make the city better, but we are missing crucial information. So I was, I had been having conversations with a number of other people who are friends, collaborators of mine, people who I just, who I just know and like, they had been talking about what they wanted to do with little projects that they were working on, grassroots level projects that they were working on. 
And I said, well, what if we talk about what we're, what we're learning as we go so that we're not trying to do everything again on your own as in a silo. And then what locals lounge will do is add this, add a, a, a data backbone. We're going to collect information so that we can answer questions that you might have about how to make your event more successful. Gotcha. To share that information, not only with the other organizers, but with the community broadly. So that if people are starting to try their own stuff, we can tell them, hey, this is what we've learned. This is what we think can work. And that everyone, by succeeding on their own in their own project, will have something that they bring back to the group and everyone benefits. If we are going to have a successful music scene, we have to keep it local. And that means that we have to try to blend arts and community and give people an, a reason to leave their houses and connect. Because people who, if you just like listening to music, you can listen to all the music you want for free. You have to give people something else. Yeah, I have definitely not a scientist myself. I don't have that training or expertise, but one subject that I like to read on is cities and urban development and land use. And there's a concept in that world that might be relevant to what you're just mentioning, which is induced demand. Is that a concept that's in your world as well? Can we talk about induced demand? I, I, I not it's the only concept, the only context in which I know about induced demand is with highways. Yeah, which is that if you build, so if you build a road to ease traffic, more people will start to drive their cars, which will create more traffic, and you will actually get more jams and things will be worse. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to introduce the concept. But what's a positive example of induced demand that might relate to what we're doing? I'm looking for the analogy that we can shoehorn in for sure, where it's not if you build it, they will come because that just isn't true. Like you can't just start presenting shows from scratch and expect an audience to show up. You and I would both know that that's not going to work and that if you invest money into that, you're going to lose that money. But yeah. there must be some concept of induced demand related to this thing you said where there's this audience out here and we need to engage them in the right way. We need to learn about what they want so that we can figure it out. But then if we build more of X and less of Y, then maybe more people will start using it kind of thing. I think of places like Montreal or Nashville or New Orleans where there's just abundant music you just or halifax is another great example ah. where no matter where you go there's gonna be music and that's just part of the culture there it's not a special thing that you make an occasion about it's just part of civic life there's no reason why vancouver can't have that we don't have it and that is a choice that we have made as a city, I suppose. But I don't know how many people actually actively made that choice. So I think if there is an induced demand element to this, it involves putting music into public spaces. Make normalizing music as being part of what we do when we gather. Yeah, bringing music to where people are, the people side is what 
you're working so hard on and where the results are coming in. It's the places side that is really challenging in Vancouver, finding the right venues, finding spaces where you can do stuff. And Guilt & Co. is an exceptional venue. It has been for a lot of people. It's always a fun place to go have a night out as a fan, first and foremost, and lots of musicians love to play there. And Locals Lounge has presented in other spaces in the past. What other venues or opportunities for spaces are on your radar? Or what are you thinking in terms of what are we missing here? What do we need? What does the scene need in terms of spaces? I have a fantasy of turning the seawall into a series of live performance spaces. It's this amazing resource space that we have that does not get used for arts at all. Wow. It, it's high traffic. It is centrally located. It is some of the best views that you will ever see. Um, and we don't use it for arts and culture at all. And I think that's a shame. I would love to see the city really invest in the seawall as a place for arts presentation, not just music, but dance and painting and juggling and other forms of street performance. We absolutely need small spaces where, uh, you know, starting bands can get 60, 70, 80 people into a, into a space. Like places like Gels and Company or perhaps the Railway Club, uh, Lana Luz, uh, the Heatley. There are a number of places where you can book a show. Uh, the folks at Blue Light Studios do great work doing their Blue Light series. And this is the same Jump Attack Records that also books artists at the second floor Gastown um, at the Water Street Cafe second floor. So there are, there are rooms, but they are few and far between. Not a lot of people know about them. There just simply aren't enough of them. The step beyond that is a venue like the Imperial or the Rickshaw or uh, the Biltmore. Yeah. There are venues that are in that four to 700 person range, but in between the 60, 70 seat spot and the 400 to 800 seat spot, there's very little. Huh. There's essentially nothing. And it's extremely difficult to move up the ladder. There is a ladder that exists in Vancouver. The rungs are very, very far apart. And then beyond that, it's the Commodore and it's Rogers Arena. And God bless you if you can book either one of those rooms. I'm very impressed. There ought to be, I think, a diversity of rooms and a diversity of venues, but I don't think those necessarily have to be or even should be indoor rooms. We can do things. We really can. There is the talent. There is the drive. There is the the, uh, the will to do these things. There just is not the material support and the vision. And I think that once we can get those things aligned, we can really transform how arts and culture shows up in Vancouver. Spoken like a true city council candidate, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can I say? I've been living in. I've been living in this for like six months now. So everything that I say is a bit. (laughs) Well, Ian, I don't live in Vancouver, but I will say that if I was to vote for a city councillor, I would want somebody whose tagline was, we can do things. That sounds good to me. (laughs) That's the energy I want. And I look forward to hearing you talk about that side of your life more on something like the Canby Report with your friend, Ian Bushfield, whose podcast I've listened to here for quite some years now.
but I want to close out just by asking you about your own music because we hadn't talked about that yet. Your most recent release that's available on all platforms is this pop singer-songwriter EP where you're playing violin and guitars and singing, released in 2020, called Unmade. I could easily imagine you yourself busking on the seawall and being part of an outdoor event like that. So when you're looking at the music that you yourself make, what's next for you in terms of that? I am a very infrequent and undisciplined singer and songwriter. Um, <laughs> I do, I, I maybe write and record one thing a year. And so Unmade was a, a real a real step out of my usual patterns to actually go to a studio, work with an actual producer, shout out to Jamie Kuse, uh at Creative uh, Studios in North Van, and to try to make something like a, a real musician. When I'm not playing my own stuff, which is most of the time, I'm a looper. I play, I do um, live looping remixes of pop and rock and alternative tunes. And that to me is just, it's just really fun uh, way of connecting with people. And it's a very, very fun time. But this, especially this past summer, getting to be out on the seawall and perform in front of people was really something that grounded me and, and reconnected me to my humanity and I think allowed other people to get connected to theirs as well, which is why it, it's such a big deal for me to see more music in more places. I don't think that music solves all of our problems, but I think that the connections that it fosters between people makes the solving of problems easier. Yeah. If you want to hear what a live looping viola funky loop remix looks like and sounds like you should come down to uh guilt and company uh next wednesday night that's march 9th i'll be playing with christina lau a very close friend longtime collaborator and eagle x machina who makes me look like i can't play violin this guy is a crazy player and everyone should come check it out it's gonna be a great show I very much look forward to seeing you there and to hearing you there. And I shouldn't hype it up too much because last time I tried to go to Gilton Co., I showed up almost an hour early and it still took me forever to get in. So I hope it's that popular too and that you have a lot of people coming down to check out the return of Locals Lounge to presenting live music. Ian Cromwell, it was lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the show yet, make sure you do and tell your friends who might enjoy listening too. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Chernoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Chernoff Music production. See show notes for full production credits. Copyright 2022, Chernoff Music. <laughs>